Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet, a betting site with a difference. Not only are we offering the best available odds on a United win, we've also got exclusive special bets created by Reds. And as we share half our net profits with the United supporters community, no matter what, the fans can always end up winning. Check out our website, redarmybet.com, or download the app, Red Army Bet. About fans, by fans, for fans. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mittam, and there's two hours before Manchester United against Crystal Palace. It's a fresh, beautiful day in Manchester. The lads are selling a new United We Stand. We've had good luck this year with the weather. It's not raining because last year was the worst in our 29 years. I'm on the top floor in hotel football, and I'm with a friend of mine, Manolo Marquez. He's a Spanish football coach and he's been on his podcast four years ago when he came to Old Trafford and he met some of the lads involved in the mag and some of the fans outside the ground. And I don't think he could quite get over how much alcohol some of them drank before games and how an away game at West Brom started nine hours before the match with people drinking beer. Since Manolo uh, came on the podcast that day, he's been a football manager Continue to be a football manager, rose as high as La Liga with Las Palmas. And I would say when you know someone and you know them personally and you follow their careers, you really want them to do well. And when Manolo took his team to Malaga at the start of last season and he'd had a tough start to the season at Las Palmas and when those two goals went in and they won the game, it felt as good as a United win. It was brilliant. I was jumping around my front room and my wife, because she knows me as well, she could feel it. And I'm just very proud that you know someone who's now in charge of a top-flight Spanish football team. And things did work out after that and he's been to managing Croatia. But he is a Man United fan, so he's come here to watch a game today. Now, I'm getting him on the podcast because... Manolo gave Eric Bailly his professional debut at Espanyol. Thank you for joining us. I know you're not confident in your English, but your English is good enough to come on to this podcast. Welcome back to Old Trafford. Thank you very much, Andy. When you first saw Eric Bailly at 16 years old, what was your first impression? He was very young. In this moment, he arrived uh, from... uh, uh, Costivor, Costivor, Ivory Coast, it. yeah, yeah, Ivory Coast, uh, and uh, without his family, is uh, totally different in uh, the, the the time uh, now. Obviously, because he he was alone without uh, nothing, without uh, nobody, but uh, he was a very 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 good guy, uh, very sentimental guy, and uh, really. Uh, his potential is correct. His potential uh, was mm, fantastic because if his uh, uh, his level was higher than his uh, uh, his teammates. And he didn't have any papers to play in Spain for the no, first two years. No, the first two two one one year and a half, he he cannot play. He couldn't not play. He couldn't play. And uh, after when when he begins to play. He played in the second team of Espanol and uh, more maybe one year after he uh, 
played yet in, uh, in, in La Liga with the Espanyol. After next season, only he played maybe 20, 20 games in Espanyol because uh, Villarreal signed. Uh, only five uh, euros, mil, five millions euros. But Villarreal, uh, he he played very, very, very well in in Villarreal. Very good, very high level. And uh, in in that moment, they signed in, in in Manchester United. But he's, for example, he's champion of uh, the Africa's Cup with 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 his uh, national team. And uh, he was a very, very uh, in that moment a very uh, a player with a great future. What's it like for you when you come to a game of football in England? What do you like about coming to Manchester United? Because you've you've been to all the big Spanish stadiums. You've been there in a working capacity. Why is it different here? For me, yeah. But the atmosphere. For me, the atmosphere, all the, the things that are uh, around the, the, the championship, for me is amazing. For me, it's the, be the best league in the, in the world. Maybe in Spain there is a more quality in the players, but uh, like, a, like a championship, for me, England is, is the number one. So, Spanish teams, they keep doing well in Europe, they keep winning all of the trophies. The technical ability of the Spanish players and the teams is higher here than, than, than in England, but you like the excitement of the league, the, the full stadiums, I remember you telling me. This is very attractive to someone who works in football. For example, today, uh, we travel with my daughter uh, uh, from uh, Stafford to Manchester. When we stopped in a, I don't know the name, in a Tesco, uh, th there is people, uh, supporters uh, from Cardiff, supporters from Crystal Palace, supporters from Everton. I don't know exactly when they play today. And this is, for me, this is fantastic. So this huge movement of supporters yes. all around England and yes. Wales every Saturday. It's true, it doesn't happen in Spain because there's no away fans. I know, I know, exactly. For example, in Croatia, there is a, a rule that, that uh, the four stands in the stadium, one is for foreigner people, but this stand is totally empty, normally. Maybe uh, uh, 100 persons. But here, for example, I don't know, eh? but maybe today, Crystal Palace, I don't know, you, you know better than me how many people... Uh, 3,000 3,000 probably. For me, it's fantastic. 3,000 people come to, to, uh, from London, no? The last time you came to Manchester was one year ago when Pep Guardiola invited yeah. you yeah. with, um, one one. with one. your old assistant, Juan Carlos Valeron, one of the great modern players of Spanish football. What was your impression of, of Pep Guardiola? Uh, it doesn't matter that you're talking to United fans. I think we all acknowledge that he's a fantastic football coach. I know. For me, for me, is the best, the best uh, coach in the world. He's a uh, maybe, maybe obsessive, but uh, he's a very, very uh, good coach because all of 
all uh, the details. Uh, he control. He control all the details, and he's very passionate in. Uh, and uh, I don't know is uh, didactico. I don't know is in English, but uh, in, in, in los detalles, the total. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in every detail, he controls. Every detail. Every detail. Maybe too much, but. Uh, but this kind of, of fantastic coach for the player is very good, but and not too much years because it's it's very difficult to to, to uh, support or yeah, to, to maintain to maintain. So maybe at the end of this season, Pep Guardiola can just leave Manchester City yeah. and leave us in peace. You saw Jose Mourinho working in Spain yeah. uh, with Real Madrid. If I speak to a lot of Catalan people, they don't like Mourinho. But if you speak to football coaches, they do like him. What's your opinion of Mourinho? They don't like because he's the the great opponent. He he trained in, in Real Madrid, but he worked he worked in Barcelona with Bobby Robson yeah. uh, many years ago. Uh, nobody can doubt about Mourinho like a coach, but. I don't know because I don't live in, in, in England, but my sensation that for me he's tired. He's tired. And uh, maybe I don't know if, if uh, he has uh, the same uh, illusion, happiness, yeah. or. Yeah, the same dream to, that he once had. When he, when he began to, to train. For me, he uh, he was a better coach than now. Not better coach, but with more with more uh, passion. Uh, now he has more experience, but maybe he knows that maybe now is not the best Manchester United of the his of the story. And maybe there are now maybe five six teams over Manchester United in the in the in the Premier League. I can remember you a couple of years ago going to London to visit um, Mauricio Pochettino um, because you knew him from Espanol. Yeah. What do you think his qualities are? Pochettino. Pochettino is a fantastic coach. Uh, he believes always in, in young players. Uh, he worked very hard with this kind of players. For me, he's more comfortable with this kind of players that uh, with players with mo uh, more experience, and in my opinion, he will be the, the future coach in in Real Madrid. Who is your favorite English team? My favorite English team. I don't have one favorite English team, but Manchester United, for example, is, is maybe it's Manchester United because I like I like Old Trafford, I like the city, I have friends. Uh, and you're, you're stood in a bar surrounded by 300 Manchester United fans. Yes. And you're going in K-Stan today. Yes. <laughs> so let's but, just have that on the record, Manchester United. But no, but 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 there are. Uh, yes. Maybe my favorite team is Manchester United, but uh, for me the most important thing is the, the Premier League. Always, and, and not only the Premier League. For example, one thing that I I am uh, I, I like too much is 
if one person is for a, uh, his team is one club in League One or League Two, this is his team. Yeah. No, he's, uh, I am, uh, I don't know. Eh? Uh, so in Spain, everyone would be Barcelona, Barça, Madrid, Barça, and Madrid, and another, and his, and his team in, in his city. But, but here, if you support Blackpool, you support Blackpool. Maybe that's not the best example, given what's going on at Blackpool, but football fans, I think the English are very good football fans. Yes. They stick by the teams. I, I don't know if, if, if it's true, this. Well, it's but. true in so much as you can go down to the fifth level in England and there will be teams getting four, five, six thousand. Some of the numbers are incredible. Bradford City, who are in the third tier, get 19,000. It's just incredible. I, re and I remember the other, uh, the other time that I was in Manchester. Uh, Stockport County, we Stockport went to see a County. game. 5,000 people. 5,000 people. They're a non-league team. Yeah. It's, it's level... Um, Five and six. Level six. Level six. And uh, I don't remember the opponent, but the opponent was uh, Chester City. Chester, I it. uh, fifth, fifth yeah. level, no, fifth division. And uh, the, maybe in the pitch there are five thousand people. For me, this is impossible in, in in another country. Thank you for your time. One prediction for today: what will the score be? Uh, uh, no, too much goals, but maybe. 1-0, 2-0. And finally, finally, tell me a little bit about Valencia because United played them in two weeks. This current Valencia team, they don't lose games, they don't win games. Yes. Uh, normally, the second year of the coach of Valencia, Marcelino, is not very... Is always, it's not very... Uh, it's, it's, it's very different than the first uh, year. Why? Uh, he's a very hard... Trainer is a control, a, a lot of control, may, maybe obsessive with with his 4-4-2. Uh, but now, for me, they are playing better. Yeah. And maybe the the second part of the league, they will uh, go up. But uh, I think that, in my opinion, Juventus and Manchester United uh, will be the, the the two teams that they uh, will classify to the final round. Which Valencia players? Should we be watching out for in Mestalla in two weeks? Gaia. Yes, Gaia. Condogbia. Condogbia. Uh, for me, the best player is Guedes. Gonzalo Guedes. Yeah, he was the best player last year. For me, yes. on loan from Paris Saint Germain. Yes, he he's plays, fantastic. He's very good player. He played like, like Old Trafford. He was really good. Like he's a left winger, but but he's right. For me, is the the best because. For me, there is a fantastic uh, forward that is Rodri Rodrigo, Rodrigo, but he uh, he played here in Bolton Wanderers yeah. for one year, yeah. But he's, he's not in his best moment. No. He plays in national team, but he's not in, in his in his best moment. But uh, Valencia is order, order, order. Yeah. order. That, that, like you, like you saw here with the uh, I, I think with nil nil. Nil nil, yeah. Uh, it's the, the same. Valencia is always the same team. At home and away. Imagine if Valencia had been able to keep all of their players in the last 10 years. Juan Mata, David Villa, Nicolas Otamendi, um, Cancelo at Juventus, great, great player. Um, so many players they've had to sell. Yeah. Uh, David Silva. Bernat, Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bayern Munich players. There, there is a, yeah. 
Ay, Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bernat, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Bayern Munich, John yeah. Bernat. Uh, the the Academy of, the, of Valencia is, a, is one of the most famous yeah. academies in, in Spain. They have a lot a lot of of players in all the in all the country. Not only not only this kind of players, many players in in small teams in first division, yeah. in, in teams in second division. Is that one of the most Uh, Cantera is the academy. Yeah, yeah, the academy. So, like David Villa played for Ibar when they were in the second division. Sorry, David Silva played in, in Ibar, for example. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Thank you for you. It's nearly an hour after the final whistle between Manchester United and Crystal Palace, and I'm disappointed because Manchester United failed to beat the 16th team in the league, who were probably the better team. Palace have not scored a goal on their last 10 visits to Manchester, either to United or City. They've won two of the 12 games, and now it's two of the 13, but they can feel very uh, happy or content with a nil-nil draw at Old Trafford. I thought the Palace fans were good, and at the end they were singing um, glad all over. Manchester United fans were certainly not feeling glad all over. The stadium emptied well before the end, And there's a real feeling of antipathy. There's no defiance from the fans as Mourinho walks off the pitch, as there was after the 3-0 defeat at home to Tottenham in August. Manchester United scored eight goals at home in the league so far this season. There's only five teams scored fewer than that. It's just not good enough um, when you're a team like Manchester United. And I'm with a Crystal Palace fan now, with Jim Daly who runs the five-year plan podcast and they do other stuff. They used to do a fanzine as well. And it's nice to have a, an opposition fan on the United We Stand podcast. And I should also thank you for the really good interview you've done for the latest United We Stand. How are you feeling after a nil-nil draw at Old Trafford? Well, I'm, I am feeling glad alive, really, because we, I thought we, we were superb and um, probably could have won it, really. Townsend's chance at the end there. And I don't know why he hasn't gone with his left foot. He's left-footed, but... You know, if we're trying to be positive, it's a very, it's a very professional performance from Palace at, at United today. Traditionally, a ground that we nearly always lose at. I don't, I don't. We haven't. We've, what did you say? We've lost, we've lost our last 11 games here or something. We haven't kept a clean sheet here since the 80s. I think possibly, maybe even ever. I'm not sure. We've only won it twice. I think. Um, I can remember you winning here in 89. That was 89. Probably the low point. And then 91 the again. Well, I don't even know if we kept yeah. So, you know, I, I know goals are an issue for United and goals are a big issue for Palace as well. We don't underscore many, but the big thing for us is a clean sheet here today, really. I think that's, that's really, really important. The goal, our goalkeeper, Wayne Hennessy, who, who, by the way, most Palace fans hate and are begrudgingly accepting that actually he's probably one of our better players this season. Pulled off some brilliant saves today, was very solid. Um, there's so many positives for us Chiarte was brilliant in midfield I thought that most of the midfield worked hard but he in particular was good and Tompkins at the back was, was fantastic again Mamasako yeah. obviously Mamasako has his um, root, root weekly head loss moment uh, which he did early on but then he recovered and, and yeah Max Meyer who, I believe that's his first 90 minutes for Palace so, uh, since signing in the summer I thought was very tidy so there's so many positives I know there's a lot of negatives for you know, there's so many positives for us today which is brilliant and you know we're having a disappointing season But to come here today and get a clean sheet and arguably be the better team, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, really well, glad all over. I think it would have been unfair on you if you did lose the game. And Townsend, before he had that shot close to the end, he beat two Manchester United defenders. Mm. I didn't know he was left foot. 
<laughs> yeah, because he, he just pushed it right wide of, uh, yeah. of of the goal, didn't he? Maybe he could have could have done better. To that what's what's Man United away like for an away fan? For an away fan, um, well, obviously it comes with a lot of prestige, doesn't it? It comes with a lot of history, a lot of prestige. It, it's a really impressive stadium. As a Palace fan, it's always somewhere you think we're going to lose. You know, I've come here four times before, four times, and we always lose. I always expect to lose. I never expect anything. I think that's why I'm sort of a bit giddy with excitement now because we, I just was not expecting anything. So I put I put a, a fiver on today. One nil, one matter. He always scores against us. I thought one matter's going to score. We're going to lose one nil. And then even, even late on, when it was nil nil, 15 minutes ago, I thought, well, we're still going to lose because Fellaini's going to get a late goal because he's exactly the sort of player that would score against Palace. And the fact that we've held on and we've done it so professionally is brilliant. So, so maybe now Old Trafford for me will become you know a stadium that I don't feel so scared of going to because I think growing up for me in the you know the nineties and two thousands I was always scared of coming here you know and maybe that's changed for me now. You sold your away allocation, three thousand tickets. Good away following. And we've got we got a great away following. You know you know what Palace fans are like. You know the bare minimum is they they will nearly always sell out. Uh, uh, the away stand they'll always put, put an effort in Palace fans they love singing they love following their team even when we're terrible it's the great thing about supporting a team like Palace even when we're awful they'll turn up they'll sing songs they'll take the mick you know and that's what Palace fans do and you know I'm a bit gutted because obviously I'm in I'm in the press area as you are and um, we missed out in the end we missed out on um, you know sitting in there and hearing the chants you know so obviously I get the free food which is great being in the press area I thought um, some of your songs were a little bit cheeky. We'll race you back to London. <laughs> that's a standard one, though, isn't it? That's a standard. <laughs> you know that's always going to happen. Um, I think as well, there's... Um, yeah, I think there's, always, I think there's always a fun atmosphere, I think, for, for, for Palace fans up here. Not, they know they'll get a bit of banter back as well, which is good. So, yeah, to be honest, it's a, it's a positive day all round for me. You know, I'm, I'm very happy, and I know a lot of Palace fans are as well. What is success for Crystal Palace? Staying up? I mean, I th- yeah, I think staying up is, is the bare minimum, absolutely. We'd, you know, the money we spent the last couple of years, we'd love to be doing better. We'd love to be hitting top ten, you know, maybe even doing a Burnley and creeping into Europe. But really, that's, I think the main aim is staying up. It has to be. Um, we, you know, we're six seasons in the top flight now, our most successive period, you know, as a club. Um, you, anyone can get dragged into it. We've seen Newcastle go down, haven't we? We've seen West Brom go down. You know, I think you're right. You have to aim for, aim for staying up and then whatever else happens is a bonus. What do you think of Jose Mourinho as an opposition fan? Do you know what? I actually, I actually love him because he's a panto villain of the Premier League and I think you need that. You need characters and I, and I love that and um, I always enjoy press conferences with him. He was quite, he was quite subdued today actually. I was, you know, I was expecting maybe a bit more of a three times, you know, all that kind of stuff. I love that. I think he's great. Um, he seems to love Palace as well throughout his career. Certainly when he was at Chelsea. There's a lot of nice things about Palace fans, normally in relation to Chelsea fans being so quiet, which is a fair point. Um, but I got, I got a lot of time for him. Would I be happy with him as manager? Yeah. Am I, would I be happy with him in the way he plays football? Yeah, maybe not. But he, the way he plays is effective. And he's won him trophies in the past. So I know obviously he's Mourinho. I'd love him at Palace, yeah, of course. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan. You need, you need characters like that in the Premier League. Uh, Wilfred Zahar seems to be your best player according to the Palace fans that that I speak to what's gone right for him because he was very good before he came to Manchester United Mm. he probably joined United at the wrong time he was lonely I don't think he was well looked after at United in terms of he was at a club where people were finding a feed new members of staff and I'll give you a little example before Ferguson went United signed two Brazilian players two twins Raphael and Fabio before they arrived at their apartment in South Manchester the club sent someone round and filled their fridge with Brazilian and Portuguese food 
<laughs> and I just thought that was a lovely little touch yeah, yeah, yeah. to make someone yeah. feel welcome. Yeah. Tiny touch. And with all the changes that happened in the summer of 2013, yeah. a lot of the people who came in didn't know yeah. that the attention to detail, and it wasn't anything malicious, it wasn't like, we're just going to start becoming nasty. Yeah. And wrapped into that was this ridiculous rumour that he'd slept with David Moyes. Yeah. Daughter, which just wasn't true, yeah. but our souls, and that's what they are, yeah. on Twitter, yeah. amplified it, yeah, yeah. and they didn't realise the damage it was doing to a young lad living in a city 200 miles from home. Yeah. And even some Manchester United fans did that with a knowing, uh, well, I've heard this. Yeah. No, it's bollocks, man. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely bollocks, but yeah. for you, he seems to be home and happy. Oh, big time. He's home. And you forget how young he was when he joined United. He was, he was 20, you know, which is very young. Think about what, what you were like when you were 20, you know, and moving away from home. He's moving away from home. And he, he's a big homeboy. He's got a big family in South London, always, always lived there, grew up there. I think he'll, he'll stay there forever, I think. Whether it's at Palace, you know, or Chelsea or an Arsenal, who knows. But he's a, he's a Palace boy and needs to be there. And you're right, he joined at the wrong time. Moyes was the wrong manager. Had Ferguson stayed, you know, I think I think Zaha would have stayed and probably been a much better player at United. But do you know what? We're happy. Sometimes things fit together, and Wilfred Zaha fits with Crystal Palace, and and that's all it is. And and he's developed in the last couple of years into our best player, and arguably, in my opinion, our best ever player. I think best ever player. I think he's our best. Ever. I mean, you know, I'm from a generation that just missed out on the rights and the brights of, of this world. But I remember watching Lombardo as well. But I, I think. I haven't seen a player that, that Palace rely on as much as Zaha, but also I haven't seen a player with that natural ability that Zaha's got in a Palace show. I, I think he's wonderful, and I think in years to, to come, we'll look back and say, do you remember when Wilfred Zaha played for Palace? I remember coming to Sellers in May 91, thinking Palace are a better team than Manchester United. We're going to lose today. <laughs> and we did. I think yeah. it was 3-0. Yeah. And we had the Cup Winners' Cup final to look forward to. Yeah. So mines were elsewhere. Mines were in Rotterdam. But this is now Manchester United's worst start to a season since 1990. Wow. And that's 28 years. Yeah. Jose Mourinho is not a fan of using statistics unless they're used to support his causes. But that's pretty damning, that, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not great. It doesn't feel like, for me, looking from the outside in, like it's a great time to be a Man United fan at the moment. I don't even know if you could even call it a transition. I think your transition with the, with the Moyes and the Van Gaal years, you're past that now. You should be doing a lot better. And the squad there is brilliant. You know, I think Paul Pogba is one of the best players in the world, but he wasn't today. He wasn't today. No, absolutely. And he's just not performing at the moment. And he's not even trying. And Mourinho, after the game, was talking about heart. You know, Pogba doesn't, doesn't play with heart. And yet, his, his talent is fantastic. And yet you look at someone like Wilf. You know, Wilf today, that used to be a criticism levelled at him. In the second half, he lost the ball and he was tracking back and tracking back trying to get it. And he does play with heart. Maybe because he's playing for the team, you know, that he loves. So there's a lot of issues with United at the moment. I, I'd be disappointed if I was a United fan. But you've got the quality to be really challenging up there. What's your greatest moment as a Palace fan? Oh, wow. Uh, getting to the cup final in, in 2016, obviously, when, when we lost to you lot. Really? But, but honestly... That, we don't get many days out like that as Palace fans. That means a lot to us. And I was there with my mum, my dad and my brother. I feel almost guilty because... <laughs> it's happened twice. It's happened twice in 1990. Yeah. And uh, it happened in 2016. Yeah. And obviously the, the, the Man United fans enjoyed 2016. The FA Cup is still taken very seriously. Yeah, yeah. But your fans were miles better that day. <laughs> 
but because we care about days like that. You know, they mean a lot to us. should we? Yeah, no, I agree. But, but also, you know, we, we build up to days like that. You know, we wait and wait and wait. And you know what? Palace fans are good anyway. We wait and wait and we make those, those days count. And um, I think what's disappointing is we came so close in both games. You know, seven minutes in 1990 and what was it, 11 minutes in 2016. That's what's disappointing for us. But, you know, we still enjoy days like that. And we hope there'll be another one to come. We say Palace fans are always noisy. Salhurst has been decent in recent years. Yeah. What's happening with the Holmesdale fanatics? Yeah. Because they were in the corner, weren't they? Yeah. And as I understand, they asked to move to behind the goal. Yeah. And the club were reluctant for that to happen yeah. because it would have meant moving existing Correct. season yeah. holders. So, so well, that's, na- games. that's now going to happen. They then The, the Holmesdale fanatics decided then not to go to games together. They've all sat in different seats. Uh, I think as a kind of protest, there was online petitions to bring them back. And of course, there's 400 fans in Blocky who are going to be displaced, who are not happy. Some of them have sat there since the stand was built in 1995. So, you know, there's, been, there's a lot of logistics for the club to work out. As, as far as I know, there's been meetings and, and, and there are compromises on the horizon. So hopefully it can be sorted out and those 400 can be compensated. But Palace, the atmosphere has, has taken a toll recently because the HF haven't been there. Palace need the HF back together, whether it's behind the goal or in Block B. They just need to all get together, crack on with it, because our home form's been terrible recently, and, and not having that lot there, and the atmosphere ha- has contributed. Are they not going to games? They are, but they're sat all in different places, so in different seats. They're not sat together. Yeah. So it's not ideal, but I've heard that they might be back for the Burnley game next Saturday. We need to start winning games. We've got a big run coming up of winnable games. We need to start scoring goals. We haven't scored... I think we, you said you've got eight goals this season. Oh, um, you we, wanted to we, see We've definitely less. scored a few. I think we've scored eight in total this season. So, um, wow. yeah, we need to start winning games at home. But as soon as we do that, I think we'll be all right. Have a safe journey back to South London. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. How'd you get back? Train? Uh, train. Yeah. Because the drive when I, you're an I, away fan. Yeah, I did that a couple of years ago. Last game of the season, and I drove. I'm never driving it again. No, no. I'm going to head to station now and uh... walking away from Old Trafford now. And there's a couple of hundred autograph hunters trying to get pictures or whatever with Manchester United players, but even their enthusiasm cannot pump up the flatness following a nil-nil draw at home to Crystal Palace. It was a poor result. It was a poor game. I had a friend who came over from uh, Spain. Uh, Well, he was on the start of the podcast. (laughs) So imagine what he must have felt watching that. Came over with his wife and daughter. And uh, every club has results like that. No team goes through a season winning all the home games but it's concerning how few goals Manchester United are scoring at home and how boring the football is just doesn't seem like Manchester United I've just seen Jose Mourinho talking and he talked about the players not having intensity and heart and I still have some sympathy for him I'd love him to turn it around will he turn it around? I don't know I'd love him to and I think the players are letting him down but it's chicken and egg. Do you blame the manager for not getting the best out of those very talented, very highly remunerated players? I'm with James Scowcroft, who used to play for Crystal Palace. That was a thriller, wasn't it, James? It was awful, Andy. It was absolutely dire. And Man United's a big football club. Unfortunately, it's got big, big problems. There's a cancer at this football club of a, of a bad culture with the players that ultimately is going to lead to the manager losing his job. So you blame it more on the players for not performing for their manager? Going on today, and I watch United a lot, and you know, there's many different angles to look at it, but I look at players today, and doing some work for, for the BBC like I do in a couple of 
cover a lot of the London clubs. I saw a lot of Alexis Sanchez when he, when he played for Arsenal, and he was very, very, very good. He comes on today. His first touch is from a throw-in, and he just kicks the ball over his head into into no man's land. Turns round, has a go at Romelu Lukaku for not being there, and that is just a lack of respect for himself, a lack of respect for the fans, lack of respect for his teammates. I see Marcus Rashford take a corner, not even get it into the box hardly, and then last week swan around at Wembley playing for his country, looking a million dollars. It's a cancer at the club, mate, and it's a culture where. Footballers here, they've got to be very, very careful because your football career doesn't last for long. It goes in the blink of an eye. And there's a lot of these people here that will go home tonight and they're wasting their football career, mate, because they're far, far better than what they've shown today. I've looked at the, the reaction um, following this game and spoken to people um, who've been at the game and you look on social media as well, where there's a predictable fury there because United haven't won a game at home to the 16th place team in the league. But opinions really are divided on Jose Mourinho. There were boos at the end of the game. And rightly so, that, that's, that's football. You, you have to take the rough with the smooth, uh, smooth. And I think United probably are lucky that the fans aren't really getting on their back during the game. I think at the end is probably the right time to boo. You, know, you, can't, you can't have it both ways. I feel a resignation among a lot of United fans. I saw empty seats today in the main stand close to where I was. It was a very easy ticket. Tickets were on open sale uh, this week. You can see that people are starting to switch off. Now, there were still 75,000 people here. I can remember a crowd of 33,000 when Palace beat United in 1989. Still a huge bedrock of support, but it's not entertaining, is it? No, it's, it's awful. It's awful. And, and, yeah, you can talk about United's got big support, but support has been on the way up for every club in, in recent years. So, you know, and that's no different at United. It, the support isn't the problem. The, the United have got themselves, as a football club, got themselves into a, a vicious cycle where I, I cannot see it changing. Under the present owners... I cannot see this changing and how it's going to change. They will turn around and say, we've backed our managers with money. What have we done wrong? Yeah, but have they, have they backed it with a structure and a plan? So buying big, cumbersome, lumbering players... That's the manager's choice. We've appointed a manager, we've given them the money. That's what they'll say. Okay, just playing devil's advocate. Well, fair here. enough. But So when you, when you appoint the manager, what are you going to get from him? What's your return? What, what's he going to do in the transfer market? What kind of style is he going to bring to the club? What's he going to... So... When you appoint Jose Mourinho, you know what you're going to get. It's Jose Mourinho. Andy. It was clear what you're going to get. You only had to look at him at previous clubs. I don't really have a problem with with Jose Mourinho. And and he's been a very, very good manager. You can't say that. But football is changing, mate. And there's... Other clubs have got money. And other clubs have got money. That's definitely an issue. They don't need to sell the best players like they used to do. No. But other clubs have got a plan as well. And United don't. So if you have money and you have a plan and you have people knowing what, what to do, you can overtake clubs like Manchester United very, very quickly and you can go way ahead. And, and that's what's happening. And United, mate, it, could be, it could be decades before they get back to where they were. I don't think it'll be decades. I just don't think they're too big. But maybe that's my right. optimism or, or naivety thinking that. All right, well, I'll be very, very pessimistic here and maybe I'm a bit jarred off for it. With the current ownership and the structure, Man United won't win the league until it changes. Yeah.
I'm not supportive of the... I was never in favour of the Glazers taking over. Um, but the factors you mentioned, the rise of the clubs with money, if you go to the start of, uh, of this century, it was Manchester United and Chelsea. How can any team compete with the sovereign wealth fund like Manchester City have got behind them or a Russian oligarch? Well, you can compete if you've got a plan. You, you compete if you. you so you think it's about a, la- a lack of structure yeah. with, within well, Manchester United? Well, Leicester City smashed out. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Two, three years ago, whenever it is. You know, Man- Manchester United could easily do it if they had an infrastructure and they had people in place who know how to make footballing decisions. Instead, the club is bent on signing names for commercial appeal. Yeah who are not as effective as they should be on the pitch. So, Paul Pogba, I don't think anyone will claim he's been an overwhelming success since he joined Manchester United. I thought he started all right today, but he was very, very poor. Paul Pogba's a very good player. Very, very good. And Paul Pogba, in certain other clubs, not too far from here, would be an outstanding footballer. Bolton? He'd get Bolton out of trouble where they're in at the moment. So why is it not working for him at Old Trafford? Because I just think he's caught up, caught up at a football club that is, that is just going backwards. And I think, to be fair, a few of them are. Andy, th- there's a culture here where players play better and prefer playing for the country than what they do for the club. It's unheard of. Usually it's the other way around, where, where players perform at the club but can't do it international level. Here, you've got United players two lads from England, Lingard and Rashford, who look better playing for England than what they do for Manchester United. Would you stick with Jose Mourinho as manager? No, it, it needs a different culture. It, it needs a manager to come in and, and play a different style. That, that's the first thing that needs to change. So change the manager and bring a new manager in who's got a different philosophy. Yeah, you, you, you've got to play... You've got to play a passing game. You've, you've got to play through the thirds. You, you've got to change your recruitment style. You've got to bring in smaller, skillful, trickier players that can handle the ball, that can play through the thirds. United don't have that. Which they, they, manager? There's loads of managers about. You know, unfortunately, you, you can't go and get your trophy managers anymore because there's very few, far between. But but there are managers going. You know, you like. Go, you could go and get the lad, Louis Jardim, who's won the league with Monaco two years ago. It's very, very good. I think you've just got... You've got United have got to be brave. United have got to be very, very brave. But you're talking about changing the structure. Stuff like that is going to take... That takes five years. Yeah, it will do. It could take 20 years. Five more years at this. And it could go a lot longer than that. Getting it, back. Is, it is that bad. And on that note, we shall end this podcast. Thank you to those people who purchased United We Stand today. We appreciate your support. And we will be selling the mag before the Burn game on Tuesday night, a game which Jose Mourinho said he doesn't think his side will win if they play like they just played. It was a pretty poor day today. United nil, Palace nil. Until next time, goodbye. 
Thanks for listening to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet. We offer the best available odds on a United win as well as a host of special bets created by Reds. With half our net profits being donated to United supporters groups, Red Army Bet is about fans, by fans, for fans. Check out our website, redarmybet.com or download the app. Red Army Bet, we all follow United.